These past uh, few weeks we've been talking about repentance. First couple of weeks had to do with your own personal repentance. But last week I talked to you about the need to rebuke others when uh, they are in sin and our Christian obligation and concern for one another. Today I want to talk to you about the power behind repentance specifically to talk about baptism. When Jesus and John the Baptist began their ministry they started with repent. And with Peter on Pentecost he also started with the word repent. But what Peter did was he went on to talk about baptism and the blessing that repentance and baptism work for us as Christians. Now to really understand what's going on I want to turn your attention to Acts chapter 2 verses 36 through 39. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this God has made his Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off for whom the Lord our God will call. To really understand what repentance is all about, we have to understand something about evil, about hell, about the devil. Those aren't really popular topics today. You hear more a lot about God's love and forgiveness and all that good stuff which is important, which is vital. But to make any sense of it, we have to understand something about evil. And what really struck me about verse 36 says, let, therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, notice, whom you crucified. This is the power of evil of that time. The most innocent man who has ever lived was tried and convicted and put to death on a cross, the most horrible kind of torturous execution that has ever been devised by humankind. They crucified him and killed him. And Notice, he again, whom you crucified. Now, it would have been very easy for the crowd to respond back. Now, wait a minute. We're not responsible for that. Okay? It would have been easy for them standing in the crowd and say, Who, me? I wasn't there when they were yelling for his death, as we just read in, in Matthew's Gospel. Because most of these people in the crowd were pilgrims. 
And they weren't a part of those who executed Jesus. Probably only just a few of them who were mixed in that group had really participated in that. And yet Jesus, Peter throws out the blanket and he says, you crucified him. The thing in, in this, is in this Lenten season, we cannot sit back and say, those people. We have to join with the crowd that Peter spoke to and said, yes, I helped crucify Jesus. And the reason is because I am a poor, miserable sinner and Jesus had to die for me. Because you see, if we can't claim responsibility for crucifying Jesus, we can't very well claim the benefits that he earned for us. And so, instead of avoiding responsibility, we look at repenting. Again, what we've done the last three weeks. Repentance. Here we get to the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit came on Peter and the rest of the disciples in, in flames of fire. And it was there that the power of the Holy Spirit was dramatically uh, demonstrated. Peter, as he was speaking, had this tongue of fire over his head. And what he was pointing to is that God the Holy Spirit was revealing himself in the words that Peter was preaching. We can repent. Remember what we said last time about repentance? The Holy Spirit works repentance. You see, that's, it's not natural for us to just, okay, I'm sorry. But to truly repent means that we turn around. And once we get caught in a sin, and I've heard this many times, but I can't stop. I don't know how to change. I can't, I just can't do it. I want to, but I can't. And you see, this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit comes in to give us power. Gives us power to, to change. And where that power comes from is through our baptism. Okay, and he gives us then four points about what repentance and baptism do for us. First of all, he says, this baptism is for everyone. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. No matter how bad a sinner you've been or how good a saint you think you are, you still need repentance and baptism. But the good news, it's for everyone, for everyone who God afflicts with guilt over their sin, there is, there is a promise for you. And that gets us to the next point. In the name of Jesus. In Matthew 28, as Jesus is charging his disciples with their mission, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But before he said that, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. I know over the years as I baptized a number of people, it was always in a, I don't know, a humbling experience, maybe it's the best way to say it, that when I took that water and poured it, <coughs> excuse me, when I took that water and poured it, it wasn't me that was doing something special. This was Jesus Christ. It was his authority that was putting that water and giving it power on the person that was baptized. And by that authority then, we receive the forgiveness of sins. What does it mean to you to be forgiven? Or what does it mean for you to forgive? God sees forgiveness as a mark on your sin and a little sign that says paid in full by Jesus at the cross. When we repent and are baptized, we know, we know that God has taken away that guilt. I would hope, and that's why I've been having you practice it each week, that as you come before the Lord in repentance, that you know that God forgives you. The problem that I've often seen is, you know, we begin the worship service with a word of confession and forgiveness. And I've wondered sometimes, looking at people in the congregation, whether it took you know, they look just as sorrowful over their sin when they leave as when they came in. And the good news for you, and I hope for you, is that your sins are forgiven, that you can leave them here knowing God's dealing with them. And that that power of forgiveness, remember the loop? That power of forgiveness, the Holy Spirit is going to work in your heart and your life to change things for you. Because see, that's what repentance and baptism is all about. It's about a new life, a new beginning, a new direction. And added to that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. To receive the gift of the Holy Spirit what God did for you at your baptism was he touched you with the power of the Holy Spirit. That with that gift, you see, you don't leave here alone. You don't face your sin on, alone. You don't do your ministry stuff alone. But the Holy Spirit is there guiding and empowering you to do whatever God has called you to do. To do that, the scriptures tell us he throws in a few extra blessings. Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Or, excuse me, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is a new attitude toward living. I, haven't you met some pretty pitiful people? 
Have you ever known someone who's bitter? You look for the fruit and you say, hmm, something's missing. There's no love, there's no joy, there's no peace, there's no patience, there's no kindness, there's no goodness, there's no gentleness or faithfulness or self-control. You see, what the Holy Spirit does is he gives a new attitude. As you think about this coronavirus thing, do you see the attitude that the Holy Spirit gives us in terms of facing it? Not fear. But as we look at what God is doing in this upside-down world right now, we know that the attitude that we carry into this, again, is not fear, but rather fruit that God can show us that the joy of living as a Christ child is ours. But beyond that too, or added to that, then are the gifts of the Spirit. As Paul reminds us in Corinthians 12, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. I know some of you have the gift of service or of helping. And that when you look around at the people that, to whom we're ministering, what you are able to see are their needs and to minister to them. Some of you have the gift of service where you can help provide for these people, not only with mercy and helping, but that you know how to touch their lives. Some are gifted with what exhortation, I guess we could call it, or the gift of comforting. Last week I talked about rebuking having to do with also encouraging. And we need encouragement in this time. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, Ephesians 4, lists some of the gifts that God has given to his church. And he gives everyone certain gifts. This is an opportunity for you to discover and to use those gifts, trusting that the Holy Spirit, whatever he lays on your heart, concerning your ministry at this time, that the Holy Spirit is there with you. That promise was made to you at your baptism. And your prom that promise stays with you for the rest of your life. For you see, the promise, notice, to bring the promise to you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It was just 120 people gathered there on Pentecost. And yet that day 3,000 came to faith. And then the next number that Luke gives us is 5,000 and on and on. And we are a part of that. That not only are we going, what we do, going to minister to the people in our group, but that it's going to spill over. The Holy Spirit does that. He takes what we do and what we say and it, it spills over and it multiplies. And I can tell you right now, I don't know 
if you watch the news, I've, I'll be honest, I've stopped watching coronavirus news. I just, it's so depressing. And at the same time, we need to take, we need to take precautions. There's no question about that. But this is an opportunity, an opportunity for us as the people of God to say God lives, that God indeed provides for his people. And so often the way he provides for his people is through his people. You brave souls that came out today, you are a testimony that God indeed works in his people and that he's going to use you. And that's, that's a promise we can take with us. So what we're going to do now is, as we have in the past, we're going to have our time of confession from Psalm 51 again. I've uh, changed out a verse. But as it says there, I want you to talk, about, talk with God about any unresolved sin. So often this whole repentance thing isn't just a one-shot deal and off we go. But I've been asking you each time, if you've got something, you know, God, I know you want to change this. It's another opportunity to bring that to him, to confess it, and let him work in that. Well, last week I talked to you about seeing sin in a brother or sister. The pressure of our culture is to say, well, that's their business with Jesus. I'll take care of my business with Jesus. Perhaps last week the Lord laid on you, the, your heart, of someone that you know, a brother or sister in Christ, who's got this sin thing going and they, it needs to change. And he's saying, you need to talk to that person. Last week when Jesus said that to the disciples, they said, well, Lord, increase our faith. And he said, you don't need more faith. You just need courage. So pray the Lord will give you courage. And if you still are at a point where you say, but I need help. I just can't do this myself. Talk to a mature Christian that you know. See if you can... Run, bounce it off someone who's not so emotionally involved. It gets a whole lot easier to, get, to give and to receive advice. And, and I can look at, at uh, many of you here that I know that have that maturity that you could really be a help to another Christian who needs to rebuke someone and needs some help. So ask the Lord to show you that person. If you can't find one, I'll talk to you about it. <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> and sometimes I think it's funny too, but uh, anyway. <laughs> I guess what should I say? If you can't find anybody else, talk to Frank or me. You know, just if, if, you're, if you're that desperate. But no, just trust the Lord. The Lord will show you when you set out to do the Lord's work, he's going to provide you the resources that you need. And that's, that's his commitment to you. And while you're all doing that, think about your baptism.
You know, I heard a story of the old German Lutherans. You know, they had these big headboards and big footboards on beds. If you've ever seen them like that. What they would do is they would take their baptismal certificate and put it on the footboard of their bed. So the first thing they saw in the morning was that baptismal uh, certificate and the promise that God made to them at their baptism. That promise is yours. Cling to it. Say to God, I am a baptized child and you've attached all these promises. Lord, go with me through this day. And let that be your prayer also this morning. So, whatever the Lord is stirring in your heart right now, let's bring it to him. First of all, we'll have that time of confession. Uh, we can do it responsively. Is it up on the screen, Laura? Okay. Or let's just read it together. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let's take that moment that I've talked about. If it is your custom to kneel, this would be a time uh, for you to do that and just come before the Lord. So what is it that the Lord talked to you about? Perhaps it was a conviction, conviction of your sin. Maybe it was another person that you just know the Lord wants you to talk to. But I want you to know again, God's promise to you at your baptism, you're his. The Holy Spirit is with you. He will guide and direct you and your prayers. You know, talk to him about your situation. Don't, don't hold back. You've got the rest of the week to just talk to him. Again, I hope it, it doesn't get tired of me saying this, but you are a child of God. And God forgives you and loves you for Jesus' sake. So know then that your sins are forgiven and that you have received the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I've been informed that our, we're not going to pass around the plate because everybody would touch that, the offering plate. So the plate is available as you leave. Um, but I want to just talk to you a little bit, okay? We live in a, a frightening time with uh, this uh, coronavirus. And I think that it's easy to get focused on the virus without considering our actions and the unintended consequences that often come with them. Now when I say unintended consequences, I, I went out this week and I had some work done on our Toyota. So I went to a couple of different places. And uh, 
believe me, I could go in there and I didn't have to worry about getting close to people because uh, business was down. And I talked, uh, I had my tires rotated and I talked to the guy that uh, was in charge of getting that done. And I said, they had all the seats there at least five feet apart, you know. And uh, so I, I say that because businesses are taking this seriously. Uh, they're doing what they can too to uh, make your uh, visit there as safe as possible. But when I talk about unintended consequences, as I talk to the man when I get my tires rotated, he said, yeah, business is really down. They've had to cut back hours and uh, even let some people go. And businesses are shutting down, unless you're selling toilet paper. Uh, I think uh, you can stay pretty good in business. But my point is here that we, um, we have to look out for each other. Do you know of someone who's had their hours cut back or um, who uh, is losing their job because of this? Do you know someone who, um, I don't know, they're just going through a tough time. They're afraid because of this. We are the body of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And we're, we're responsible for one another. David said we're, we're taping this. And I would say to you folks at home that are watching this, who do you know? Who do you know that within our family that might need some help? Because we're here for each other. That's part of the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit is that God has equipped us to care for one another and to encourage one another. I also would add another uh, unintended consequence. Of course, you know we've got a smaller crowd than what we've normally had here on 11 o'clock. A lot of people are staying home. And as a precaution, and please, I'm not trying to discount precautions that need to be made concerning this virus. But what I am saying, unintended consequences. And one of that is that we know that when church attendance goes down, so do our offerings. And this isn't a speech to say, give, you know, we want your money. Now this is a speech, if you will, to say, we've got ministry happening in here and, and we need to support it and to encourage it. So, uh, I think it was David, were you telling me that uh, there's something, oh, Laura, you were saying there's a letter going out to show people how they can support the ministry financially without having to, to come and to attend uh, our services. And another, what I would say, intended consequence of this is that we pray. We've got a new pastor coming in in a couple of weeks, and this is an interesting time to jump into ministry, isn't it? It's going to take him a while to get settled, and we need to pray for him and his coming. Also, we have a ministry team that's doing their level best, and God bless them, to 
keep things together here. And please pray for our ministry team. Uh, and we've got David here and we also have uh, Steve back there and Laura and uh, Carl, just to name a few of those folks who are working very hard here to hold things together. And we need to lift them up in prayer. And in so doing, remember what I said about the Holy Spirit? He's working in you. He's working in this congregation. And we need to keep that truth before us. Because one of the things that crisis does is that it opens opportunities for ministry. And just pray that we have eyes open and ears ready so that when those ministry opportunities show themselves that God will use us and he will bless us and bless the, the people here. So many churches have closed their doors basically. We've decided to keep ours open, okay? And you brave souls have come to say, this is important. And God bless each and every one of you for your willingness to step out like that. And people who are watching this, this is no condemnation of you or the choices that you've made. God will honor that too. But again, I would ask that you pray for our assembly, that you pray for our church, you pray for our leaders. Well, I could go on, and that's the problem being a preacher. Okay. I think I've given you enough to think about and pray about, and uh, God will show you other things that you need. But let's take these moments then to go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you knowing our faults and our failures and our weaknesses. And Lord, uh, you've called on us to deal with our sin and help others who, are, who need to deal with or who, who are coping with their sin. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, bring to us a rich measure of your, of your forgiveness a rich measure of your spirit to enable us to do and be the people that we need to be. And Lord, there's so many agencies that are out there working to fight this virus and we pray your divine wisdom for them that what they do will indeed uh, lift this uh, burden from our, our society as you heal and uh, conquer that virus. And Lord, we pray also for our church. Lord, we, we don't know the future. We, uh, we few who are gathered here, though, we know you to be a faithful God. And we know that you're working in this process, that you're equipping us to do what we need to do in this hour. And we pray for our leaders. Lord, I know they feel overwhelmed sometimes by the responsibility that they have. But Lord, you've gifted these folks and you are working in them with your wisdom and your guidance. And Lord, reveal that in a greater way in these next uh, few weeks and use them to be a blessing to our church. And we pray as you prepare Pastor Craig to come and uh, to provide leadership for us that you endow him also 
with protection, with wisdom, and that uh, he will be the man we need in this hour to guide us uh, through this time. Father, we are bold to pray these things because you have promised to hear us and we add up all of our needs then and bring them to you in the prayer he has taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. stand for the blessing please the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all amen, amen.